Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. Our most recent episode before this one was the introduction of Will Dawkins and talking to Rylan Styles of Locked on Thunder, you know, just about what that move meant. We want to do something similar for Travis Schlenk and figured the person best to do that was somebody who covered the Hawks intimately. I've got Kevin Chenard coming on of Hawks.com. He was on previously to talk about a rumored trade at the time for John Collins. Gives really great insight. So this one's a little overdue from the Schlenk hiring, you know, a week ago, but we wanted to get somebody that could really talk to Schlenk's track record. And Kevin can do a great job of that. We're brought to you by Stateside Vodka, their hard iced teas, hard lemonades, all that great stuff uh, as the Surfside line of products are delicious. Also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and latest matchup info reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs from NBA, uh, NHL, MLB, UFC, boxing, all that good stuff. It's the fastest, easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available right from your home. Get in on the action today, head on the website and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, cool. With that, uh, let's get to my conversation with Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com. All right, I'm pleased to bring on Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com. Kevin, thanks so much for coming back on. Thanks for having me on. Travis Schlenk, the last time we talked, you know, there was a potential, could the Wizards go out and get somebody like John Collins that ultimately didn't materialize? But John Collins was somebody that Schlenk drafted, I think one of the better, you know, picks on his resume. But I guess, first of all, Wizards fans, I think, are excited with these moves we're making from a front office perspective. And Schlenk is the only one we have not discussed on this podcast yet. So I guess just overall, what was your opinion of Schlenk's time in Atlanta? And is this a move that the Wizards fans should be happy with? Yeah, um, I think they should be very happy about it. Um, I think at one point when Golden State was still alive in the playoffs, there were there were murmurs that Bob Myers might end up in Washington at some point. Mm-hmm. And it, I was thinking to myself at that point, it's like, well, you know, you, you go back and look at who really sort of put the cornerstones of that dynasty together and they sort of preceded Myers. Yeah, it, you know, it was uh, Larry Riley and 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 Travis and 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 Bob Myers came along later, and it's like you know if you if you really want to get you know some of the thunder, you kind of dig dig a little deeper in the roots there, and and lo and behold, they they took them a while to get there, but but they did. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, Travis is is a sharp, keen basketball mind, and I think he's going to do a great job. I, you know, I'm you would know better than me, but has the draft been a recent strength of the Wizards over the past decade or so? I, I'm guessing no, but I'll defer. Uh, you would be guessing correctly, uh, whereas I I like the team that you like mostly put together. I, I think it at least reflects a modern basketball team for the most part, and uh, that's not something I think we've been able to say here in Washington for the better part of the last I don't know two decades, realistically. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I think the maybe the 
overarching theme for better or worse is that you know, Travis was was sort of a GM who almost operated like a scout like that was that mm -hmm. was his thing like he, I'm pretty sure he was on the record a, a few times you know saying that he liked to be in the gym mm -hmm. he was on the road a lot and he, you know he wanted to make a point of it wasn't just the games that he was watching he was watching you know body language he said he wanted to see how players reacted to how they were coached and how they reacted to their teammates in the huddle and you know what did they do when they were on the bench how did they react to their teammates success and things like that uh so he he liked to be in the gym he was on the road an awful lot um you know when he was in town he would be at games he would be in uh state farm arena at, at five o'clock sitting 15 rows up just sort of watching players from the visiting team warm up you know the the 10 through 15 guys you know just kind of checking out what was there and and getting the lay of the land and watching those players so I like that um you know he he's just a person he's he's sort of an you know one of those observant people who just likes to watch and, and figure it out and I think that that gives him a, a good eye for talent and and that's sort of his his starting point it it seems to track with his sort of resume here overall and he'll be joining the wizards as the vp of player personnel and it sounds like from that you know player personnel is something that he's really kind of made his calling card and his first job was the video coordinator for the miami heat from 1999 to 2003 and i think that's obviously uh worked out pretty well for a couple other people who have been in that uh heat uh video coordinator position he moved to be an assistant coach for the Warriors from 05 to 2010 before transitioning to be director of player personnel for them from 2010 to 2012. So you mentioned, you know, the drafts where they added Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, obviously important there. And then that uh, next year in, in 2012 was obviously the year that they drafted Draymond Green. And he's reportedly, you know, one of the, the brainchilds behind adding uh, Draymond, which looks pretty good in retrospect, was the assistant GM to Bob Myers and Golden State from 2012 to 2017. And then the head of basketball ops for the Atlanta Hawks from 2017 to 2012. I think even just looking at the Warrior side of it, um, you know, it makes sense. This is a guy that was an assistant coach for some amount of time and uh, probably is interested in things like body language and how guys actually get along and fit together. It's not just, uh, you know, fantasy GM where, where piece of, you know, people are puzzle pieces and stuff like that. He probably had to, you know, pay attention to how these guys interpersonal dynamics work and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, he's to a couple of points to backtrack a little bit um it was funny that you started today with john collins because it seemed like the Hawks social team started with their draft coverage today and one of the things they led with is that you know john collins was was a pick at 19 and that was that was schlenk's first draft i, I want to say it was two three weeks after he was hired he didn't have a whole long time uh after taking the job before hitting that first draft and mm -hmm. and that was his first pick um not a bad place to start <laughs> wasn't a bad place to start yeah it was uh that was a pretty successful one but he you know he said that he he got into the front office role because you know he i forget who it was i think it might have been larry riley i think larry riley kind of plucked him and pulled him aside and said you know here's here's where the job stability is if mm -hmm. if you want to have a family and if you want to sort of you know, I wouldn't say get off the road because once he got into upper management, he was very much on the road. But you know that that was that was sort of a life choice that he made, and it seems seems like it paid off for him. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be really interesting to see how this particular role materializes and how he complements somebody like Michael Winger coming over from the Clippers, who's supposedly more of a salary cap trade kind of guy. Uh, hopefully, Schlenk can be more of the personnel kind of guy and, and fitting all these things together and then we now have uh will dawkins from oklahoma city coming in as the gm also been more of a scouting personnel type guy so I, hopefully these guys have have complementary skill sets but i do think it helps that shalank's been in a couple different roles and, and maybe can empathize more with you know the coaching perspective and things like that as, as well and then obviously i think just anybody that starts out in the video room you have to be really good at watching tape and breaking down tape and things like that and, and making points via tape so uh, hopefully you know, that's kind of helped um, his, you know, talent evaluation and things like that. Just looking at some of his key drafts, 2012 for the Warriors, 
Harrison Barnes, Festus Azili, who was pretty good for them for a couple of years, uh, and Draymond Green at 35. The year before that, didn't really do much of note. And then 2015, Kavon Looney. The year before that, Damian Jones and Patrick McCall have been serviceable guys that they took you know, with second round picks, essentially. Uh, Jones actually went 30th. And the year after that, his last year with Golden State, I believe, they took Jordan Bell, 38th, productive player for them for a while. And then you look at his Hawks draft. Uh, John Collins was the 19th pick, worked out pretty darn well. Uh, the, ne- the year after that, took Kevin Herter with the 19th pick. I'd say that worked out pretty well. But the big one, I think Wizards fans questioned, the 2018 move to trade essentially Luka Doncic for Trey Young. I, I think in hindsight, because of the way that trades worked out, it, it looks worse you know, than it was. That was his guy he wanted, and he added in this you know, additional asset to do so, and DeAndre Hunter that worked out pretty well here too. I guess what's well, your actually, sense? That that extra pick was Cam Reddish. Oh, you're right. Sorry, the Hunter, ninth Hunter pick. was a separate deal. That's right. I got you. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I think there's, or I think there's some noise in some of it. I think when you sort of look at his track record, I think like Golden State, obviously, I think there's some noise in that. You know, whether good or bad, it's hard to separate. You know, what did he believe in versus what did the other Warriors' voices in the room want? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the Luca thing, uh, you know, I guess, first of all, I don't necessarily view that as a massive loss separate, even separate from the extra pick. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they've had really comparable NBA careers to this point, but, you know, beyond that though, I, I do think that there's some noise in that move as well, because I think, you know. When you start talking about picks one, two, three in a draft, you get more input from ownership mm-hmm. and business side and all sorts of things go into that. Um, and we also don't know like how much Luca and Luca's uh, representation tried to manipulate that, sure. uh, saying, you know, here, here's where I want to go. He had some leverage in that when he was he was MVP in that season with Real Madrid and he didn't have to come over. So I think they, you know, more than your average college prospect or, or otherwise, you know, uh, being in a stable situation overseas, uh, he, he could definitely, you know, take an NBA, NBA, uh, situation that he didn't like and say, you know, Hey, I'm not coming, which, you know, I think you factor in a little bit of that with Sacramento too. Um, but I think, you know, in that particular case, uh, I don't know that that was necessarily an all Travis move. I, I do think there were business side and, and representation mm-hmm. side issues there, uh, just separate from, you know, who do I think the best player to pick here is? That's a really great point. And I think that's something that we as fans don't have, in, you know, a lot of insight into. And we can look at this with hindsight. And, and let's say, even if you view Doncic as the, you know, vastly superior player, it's still, what did people view them as at the time? And there's there's still a reason that two people... Uh, two teams, you know, skipped over Doncic. Those are those other factors that you mentioned, but this probably yeah, I don't know works. What Phoenix was thinking, yeah, they have less of it. <laughs> I do think that for Sacramento, I you know, they he didn't. I don't think the the Kings had a whole bunch of medical information. I he you know, obviously didn't work out for them. I think he made it quite clear that he didn't want to go to Sacramento, and then he might have done something very similar for Atlanta as well. Mm-hmm. I know that Trey Young's father has said a couple of times, you know. uh, you know, someday that story will come out about how draft night went down and there's so much that we don't know. So <laughs> I wonder what those variables are. He hasn't really elaborated on them, but uh be curious to know at some point. That's a 30 for 30. I would love to watch personally. So uh maybe we can hold out hope for that down the road there. You know, this that move looks way worse if you're Travis Schlenk and you do all that and you end up with Marvin Bagley or something and a pick as opposed to, to Trey Young. Uh, but I, I think you know, he's he's had playoff success with Young. It's not like this team has been, um, you know, totally terrible or anything like that. I think the Wizards would happily trade the last five years under Schlenk for the last five years in Washington. Uh, I think anytime you can make multiple, you know, second round and beyond playoff appearances over a five-year stretch, that's, that's more than we have to hang our hats on in the last 35 years here, realistically. So I, I would be cool with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Trey, Trey gets, I think when you look at Trey versus Luca, you you know, I, I think the thing that sort of maybe gets understated a little bit is that, you know, they've, they've made the playoffs three years running now, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I feel like they've, 
showed themselves very well in two of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, they got absolutely drubbed by the heat. They were kind of dinged up, and Miami was just a vastly better team. Uh, but, you know, they had a conference finals run two years ago, and this year they beat the heat in the play-in game and and had a had the Celtics, you know, up to the last two minutes of game six. Uh, you know, they were right there with Boston. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think they've had a reasonable amount of sex, success sort of comparable to, to the level of success that the Dallas has had since that draft. But, you know, if, if we want to get into negatives for Schlenk, you know, what, what do you look at when you say, well, he, you know, he didn't really do well in these aspects. And one is, I think, you know, going back to the, the Trey, uh, the Trey Luca trade, the extra pick that they got was Cam Reddish and, Cam Reddish is a sort of a tantalizing prospect, you know, a wing with a seven-one wingspan and you know an absolutely fantastic jump shot. Um, but you look at everything else around him, you know, just sort of how does he fit with a basketball team skill-wise, you know, in terms of can he play on the ball? Can he play off the ball? Uh, you know, what does it look like? Can he play team defense uh, separate from having sort of decent one-on-one basketball defensive skills like and i think you know i think he just i think travis whiffed on that pick that was Mm -hmm. that was a big whiff at at number 10 with the extra pick that he got in that draft and for all that i said earlier about you know what do you see when you uh get to the gym early and watch a game from the stands and you can see the sidelines and the huddles and the pre-games and all of that like (laughs) <laughs> did you do that for cam reddish because i did that for when he was here with the hawks and you know didn't get the greatest uh Im- impression of how things were going from that so sure i think that's another one from for wizards fans in hindsight i would encourage them to remember that there was a very vocal i would say honestly majority of wizards fans that wanted cam reddish with the ninth pick you know and we ended up with Rui Hachimura and Mm-hmm. A lot of people questioned that at the time, and I'd say look at it had, now. <laughs> yeah, he's he's had the better career of the two, but it's hard to ding, you know, Schlink for that based on how it's worked out. When that was a person that a, a lot of people here wanted, and and you have to wonder if maybe taking Hunter, who was a relatively safer guy, a few picks earlier, made him feel like he could take a bigger swing with somebody like Reddish. Um, so it, it's always good to look at those things kind of collectively. I think about how one move kind of informs the other too. So. At the end of the day, there's there's still two longer guys that theoretically, if they all work out, you know, fit in with sort of the the modern mold of switchable wings and things like that. And, and I think it fits into at least a vision that he tried to execute. And there are maybe some hits and misses along the way, but at least it looked like someone with a plan to us from an outsider perspective. Uh, that's something that Wizards fans have, have questioned a lot under previous GM Tommy Shepard, like what were they actually trying to build toward? Whereas with Schlenk, I think you can look at his picks and say like, oh, okay, this is this is what they're working toward. Is, is that fair from a kind of, you know, outsider perspective? Yeah. And and I guess if if you want to look at some of the other dings against Schlenk over the years, in the in the same draft where they ended up with Trey after, you know, drafting Luca and making that trade, mm-hmm. they picked Amari Spellman at 30. 30, yeah. And, you know, 30s are often hit and miss. Um, But I think if you look at the entirety of that draft, what stands out is that there was a fair amount of talent from 31 to 40 after Spellman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's funny, we're like five years removed from this and it still feels like it hurts. But what what they didn't get, and I, I understand why they didn't, but what they missed out on was a lot of good defensive sort of on ball guards point guards mm-hmm. i think was primarily what they missed with that spellman pick mm-hmm. and and i i don't know if we ever went on the record maybe it was just sort of a, a line of thought at the time but i think what he really did not want to do was just have a bunch of rookie guards like he knew trey was going to come in trey was going to get the reins he was going to be the starting point guard and he wanted to have a veteran and so eventually they made the move and got jeremy lynn and i you know Jeremy Lin was fine for that season. And I, you know, if you just look at, you know, what did he do for Trey and how did that work? And did Trey figure stuff out from his other point guard that he had around? And I think the answer is yes. So I think that worked. And I think the end result is really what you have in Trey. But it did feel like that was a whiff of a pick, especially like I feel like they picked for need 
Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, if they could just figure out a way to maybe bring in another guard as a third guard or something, uh, you know, that might have worked out better for them. And I think, you know, the other thing that you want to talk about, maybe if you want to look at, you know, how do you ding what what Schlenk controlled in his time here? Because I overall in his draft stuff, you know, AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, and Yekka Kong were like, these are all great picks. He made would that- love any of them on a, in a wizard's uniform. So I'm 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 all with you there. Yeah, and and you know he made the big deal for uh, DeAndre Hunter as well, and you know I feel like you know they they packaged a lot of things. They gave up a lot of value in that move for Hunter, and so uh, you know there were a lot of a lot. It was like of three picks, and they also took on like a big chunk of Solomon Hill's salary for a year, and mm-hmm. so there were a lot of things in that deal for Hunter. But, you know, all told, I still, I know a lot of people wouldn't say this and would not be as uh, rosy about it as I, I am, but, you know, it's just, it's hard to get that kind of player. And so you have to give up a lot. And I still feel like they gave up sort of four nickels for a quarter or something. You look at the picks mm-hmm. that New Orleans went and made with with those picks and it's like, would you really want any of that? I feel like they gave up a bunch, bunch of small things to get a big one. And then, but, but it. It does at the same time sort of illustrate, I think, the the fairest critique of Schlank, which is maybe you do want to pair him with somebody like Winger who's sort of looking at value and managing the cap mm-hmm. and trying to squeeze every ounce of things out because that really wasn't sort of Schlank's MO. I think he sort of visualized it as a long-term project yep. and wanted to you know, get in good with agents and wanted to sort of build personal mm-hmm. relations and he valued that more than just necessarily sort of slash and burn optimize everything optimize everything optimize everything he sort of wanted to personalize it and have good relationships and and you know make sure players were happy and 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 try to more of a more establish a culture as opposed to just be sort of okay here's what the balance sheet is we've got to make sure we got this this and this and that we extract all the possible value out of this trade and so there were things like Collins's contract, which, you know, they're still sort of wrangling with right now where it's like Collins is a good player. He's also got a very large contract. And, yep. you know, was there anybody else bidding up that contract? Probably not to the extent that the Hawks paid. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that that kind of stuff is where, you know, maybe, you know, you can ding his tenure a little bit. Even just it, it, we talked about this the last time you were on. It, it just always seems weird that like the last few years, it seems like Collins has just been perpetually on the trade block, whether how much of that is realistic between actual front offices or, or Schlenk wanting to actually move him or just conjecture, you know, given his fit and contract and things like that. But the Hunter contract is is pretty big relative to production and, and health and things like that so far. And uh, Collins similarly maybe was a little steep at the time and given his health the last year and a half also maybe doesn't look as good in retrospect so it, it, it's interesting like I, I like looking at this full picture like this with a, a few years of hindsight of he went out and got guys that he wanted um maybe the contracts haven't worked out or second contracts for those guys haven't worked out as well as you would have liked and it, and to your point it'd be really interesting to see how those moves maybe look with somebody like a michael winger kind of helping him him balance those things um from a bigger picture, but Schlenk is interesting to me of, of the three front office hires for the Wizards because you can evaluate his moves as his moves, I think. Whereas Winger is under Lawrence Frank, you don't really know who much, you know, how much of those were his. Uh, previous to that, he was with Sam Presti. Similarly with Will Dawkins, they're a part of larger front offices, but at least Schlenk's, you can say these were his moves relatively, you know, obviously you don't know what the owner's putting in, but um, he was at least kind of driving the bus for a lot of these things. And I think the one takeaway from all three of the front offices that these guys come from, they weren't afraid to go out and get guys that they wanted and and spend, expend resources and, and assets and capital to go out and, and just, hey, this is the guy we want. Let's find a way to make it happen. And that's also not something the Wizards have been partic- you know, particularly successful at the last couple of years. We hear the Wizards wanted DeJounte Murray. He ultimately ends up in Atlanta. They wanted Donovan Mitchell. He ultimately ends up in Cleveland. It's So maybe these guys will be more successful as a collective of going out and the people they had you know, identified, they actually make it happen. So I, I, you know, even if they haven't totally worked out for, for Schlenk, I still like the proactiveness, I guess, more than the things we've seen here. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? 
Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm trying to look at like how all these guys will fit. And I think just the first thing for Schlenk, like, they won less than 30 games his first three seasons there. But in that fourth year, it seems like they really took a jump forward. They went 41 and 31, and that's the year they made the Eastern Conference Finals. And obviously, they've been in the playoffs the, the last couple seasons after that. Uh, I guess overall, to me, it felt like, again, from afar, that he kind of got a raw deal for somehow this stuff worked out and maybe there's some baggage with the coaching and things like that. Uh, overall, I guess, how do you view Schlenk's tenure in Atlanta? More good than bad? Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um I would definitely say more good than bad. Like the losing at the beginning was by design. Like right. they just, they it was time to blow it up and they blew it up and, you know, they were gunning for a high draft pick in that uh, 2018 draft and, and they got it. Um, you know, the, it, it's uh, that first season there was, you know, some, Ranker, mm-hmm. just I I think because uh, he came in and uh, you know unlike a lot of situations uh, he didn't install a head coach right away so there was one year of overlap mm-hmm. with Mike Budenholzer and Travis Schlenk and you know Bud uh, had had that kind of control over player personnel before Schlenk was brought in. So he went from being sort of head coach slash executive to just head coach. And then it was also head coach in a season where they weren't really trying to win. Mm -hmm. And so that was hard. Um, And and by the end, I, you know, I think Bud had kind of had it like that was, that wasn't his thing to to go about it that way. And he kind of knew the writing was on the wall. And I, I think everybody was sort of ready to move on after that. Um, that's interesting here in Washington. We've made the commitment to bring Wes Unsell Jr. back for at least next season. Uh, so it's another year where you've got a brand new front office from head to toe with a coach that was left over from the previous regime. I, I wonder what that signals for somebody like Wes longer term too. At least they're <laughs> going to maybe give him a, a shake or, or see how it works for a year and then kind of decide from there. All, you know, Wes didn't have the same input, I don't think, on the roster that it sounds like Budenholzer you know, did. But Right. Um, still, still different, right? To be under a new boss and and see how that works and and personalities gel and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that that's a, a a eerie parallel. We've got an owner here in Washington that sort of famously, you know, banged his fist on the table and said, "We will never ever tank." And you look at someone like Schlank that seemed okay to maybe not necessarily tank, but there was an intentional choice to to rebuild there, right, and and reset things. Uh, and I wonder what that signals for Washington, uh, you know, given the state of its roster and things like that, if that makes it more or less likely, given that Schlenk kind of relatively quickly rebuilt a team. I don't honestly think three years is all that long to say we we bottomed out and then we made an Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think if you offered Wizards fans three years of being under 30 wins to guarantee, you know, even a second round playoff trip in that fourth or fifth year, I, I think we would all kind of sign up for that. So uh I'm interested to see what that actually means for us, given, you know, that he's had some success doing things that way already. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we sort of look at the draft and contract extensions, maybe, you know, one of his best moves, like, uh, you know, like, like the point I made 
just to reiterate the point from before, like it's hard to say that anything he did in Golden State was his and has his sure. stamp on it. And like you said, with Winger, it's hard to separate what he thought versus, you know, what other people in that front office thought. But Travis did sort of have solo control. It feels like to me for everything, maybe except for that, uh, you know, trade trade. Mm-hmm. So you make a trade, you, you know, the, the objective now is make a team around Trey. And maybe, you know, I feel like Hunter was a big part of that. And I know he doesn't have gaudy stats and, you know, he's been hurt. I still think he's kind of the right player. You need sort of that big sort of defensive minded mm-hmm. forward. Uh, and and that's worked well. But, you know, maybe the single piece that was just sort of illustrates how Schlenk was sort of capable of putting together the right personnel to fit with other personnel. I think that Capella trade really didn't have to give up a lot there. Kind of knew that Houston was in the sort of the selling situation. I didn't have to get a whole lot, give up a whole lot. Um, You know, sort of patiently waited out uh, the second half of an injury riddled year for Capella. Mm -hmm. But that was like, okay, you know, what, what do I need to make this trade trade work? My dog is uh, rolling around on her back right next to my microphone. Thanks, bud. My cat is doing um, the exact same thing at the moment, so I think we're uh, we're in good company here. Um, but like you need it, you know, you need a rim protector. You need somebody who's going to sort of cover up defensive mistakes, and and you need somebody who is a role man. Mm-hmm. And you know, even more than being a role man, he's like an elite screener. Like you know, we've watched sort of Bam in this in this playoff run and the finals appearance and it's like man he's a good screener and and a lot of what trey has done successfully on offense just starts with capella screening somebody and getting the mismatch and you know making it a really good screen you had gortat uh i i I hesitate to speak of the number of times i've gotten trouble with the league but one time i did a thread of like 15 gortat moving screens in the league somebody in the league is like Hey, the you know a writer for Hux.com can't be uh, getting <laughs> money from a an NBA team and and putting this kind of video series out there. So yeah, you know, but screens matter, and Capella yeah. was great at it, and it was the kind of thing that Trey needed. Um, and so you could just kind of see that okay, he understands personnel enough to kind of make this picture work. It's interesting you mentioned the Gortat screen because he came in part time this year as an assistant coach to work with. Daniel Gafford on setting screens and for the first time in Gafford's career, he got called for a lot of moving screens. So maybe, maybe your article finally got the league to crack down on this a little bit. Um, just sticking with that Capella trade, they basically sent out Evan Turner, who by all accounts had kind of, that had run its course in Atlanta, a Brooklyn lottery protected uh, first round pick and a 2026 second round pick from Golden State or Capella and Nene. Uh, that's, I think a move uh, people would happily make, you know, over and over again in retrospect, given how, you know, Capella's fit in for them. And just all of that points to, we have Trey Young, and I think he built a team around Trey to maximize Trey's strengths and cover up his deficiencies as well. You know, at least the vision makes sense for how you do that. Now, some of these picks didn't work out as well as others. You've got Capella, who's sort of the perfect lob threat for somebody like Trey, who throws that really good, you know, sort of um, that, that lob off the pick and roll. And then you've got a Kongwu, who's theoretically at least a very um, switchable big and, and kind of fits the modern NBA and thoughts, you know, were that he'd turn into the next Bam Adebayo kind of guy. And you've got Reddish and Hunter, you kind of picture as these switchable wings. And Collins, this is pogo stick athletic four who can maybe guard multiple positions. And you know, Jalen Johnson, a similar kind of archetype to to that of just big switchable guys with multiple skills. And I just, I really kind of value um, the mindset here because that's at least trying to maximize your, you know, let's say your best player's um, profile. And, and if you're Washington and you're part of the pro Bradley Beal crowd and he's going to be here longer term, Schlenk at least seems well positioned to be the guy to try to like maximize Beal and find complementary pieces for him, at least, you know, theoretically. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, like you have to wonder how he feels about Beal. Like, is yeah. it, I don't know, like 
because you know what was here when he started in Atlanta was mm-hmm. quickly gone. Sure. So I mean, I, I you know, if if his choice is okay, how do we make it work? Uh, I'd be interesting to see what what he thinks and you know how he feels about that. We've at least heard it reported that uh, Ted Leonsis maybe at least is finally willing to move on from Beal, and I think most of us would still kind of hope that that's the case at this point. And Schlenk and Winger and these guys' background probably points to that at least being on the table. I, I think just if you are going to stick with Beal and ride it out, though, he's probably better suited than most to to put the right pieces around him to to make him successful. Uh, just a couple other moves we got here. The Hawks sent uh, Torian Green and a 2021 second round pick to the Nets for Alan Crabb and Brooklyn's 2019 uh, draft pick, first round pick, which was 17th overall, and 2020 lottery protected first round picks, which is also impressive. They sent out uh, Dennis Schroeder and Mike Mascala for Justin Anderson, Carmelo Anthony, and the Thunder's 2022 lottery protected first round pick. And just that's on top of the the draft record, I think. You know, there's probably some bad moves in there too that that you would know better than I would. But I think for the most part, it's at least like we've talked mostly about the draft stuff. But some of the trades here are are pretty savvy, I think too. And they were about capitalizing on resources and and giving himself a lot of swings at the bat to make some of those draft mistakes. So that's another encouraging thing for Wizards fans who have been, you know, asset depleted for most of the last I don't know five or six years at at the you know bare minimum. Yeah, that was definitely the mo for the first couple of seasons. Was just okay. How how do we get, how do we get picks? How do we get better picks? How do we get more picks? Um, and they were, you know, pretty much willing to sell whatever they had, knowing that it was going to be a couple of years and it was going to be a rebuild. So yeah, if Washington does that move that way, this is probably another guy that's going to be helpful in that. How do we capitalize on the people that are here? You know, as we turn them into longer term assets. Uh, who knows how much interaction we'll have with him from a media perspective in this new role, since a lot of times you hear just directly from the GM and things like that, and and whose new role, it's not really a precedent in the Wizards organization for what that <laughs> And I know, don't looks think like. he particularly relished it. Okay. That, that was going to be <laughs> like my He question. was always really courteous, and sure. he's a sweet, kind man, and, and did his job, you know, in terms of, you know, communicating with the media well. I just don't think he particularly liked it. Interesting. So it, that's always really something I'm curious about just from, a, you know, what are you going to get from these guys or how much can you take it, you know, at face value, what they say. And and some front office type seem to relish that opportunity to speak to the media and do interviews and things like that more than others. And, and I was going to say, I don't remember a whole lot of hearing Travis Schlenk on the Woj pod or with Zach Lowe or those kinds of things. It seemed like maybe he kept a lower profile than than some of his peers did over the last couple of years. I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think he he tried to do some, but uh, yeah, I don't think it was his favorite. Uh, yeah, so maybe in this new role, that's something he can kind of uh, get away with. It'll either be Will Dawkins or or uh, Winger around him. That'll be interesting to see. Anything we haven't covered, Schlenk related, that you think is worthwhile uh, for Wizards fans to be aware of over the you know coming months? I don't think so. Um... I mean, I I guess, you know, the one thing that we didn't hit on was just sort of what what was the reason for, you know, the end of his tenure in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think part of it was just a disagreement on, uh, you know, they have uh, the Hawks owner is Tony Ressler. His son is in the front office. And I think there was just some uh, disagreement of how that role would go down and how much say he would have. and. Uh, so I just think that was, you know, sort of a, a big factor. I don't think mm-hmm. it was on the record, but, you know, I, ju- I just think there was, you know, if, if that wasn't the factor, that was at least the canary in the coal mine that, sure. you know, he didn't have maybe the long-term mandate or as much control mm-hmm. and backing from the ownership as he wanted. Was he already moved on by the time the DeJounte Murray move went down or was he still around for or part of that decision? Yeah, he was, he was around and, you know, I think reportedly that wasn't his trade. I don't, I don't think that that was a move that he was on board with. Um, I don't, you know, again, it's hard to sort of negotiate the varying levels. Like, did he just not want DeJounte Murray period? 
Um, but I, I think the larger sticking point maybe was just that uh, he didn't want DeJounte Murray at that price, which was, mm-hmm. you know, like three unprotected picks for un- unprotected first round picks. Um, reportedly, that trade was was set up by other people in the front office who eventually are now the people that are that are in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that move, like, I think the the verdict is still out. Like, I don't think it was a massive success or a massive failure, but like. You could kind of see it working. Um, you know, we mentioned on the outset, like, I feel like Trey's had a good career and had, had the right kind of team around him. Uh, but in talking about those three consecutive playoff appearances, you know, last year was the disappointing one. Miami just came in and spanked them. And what they did was they just made Trey the focal point. They said, we are not letting you do squat. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think, you know, from that series, it was pretty apparent that they needed another ball handler because it was, you know, one guy on Trey, one really good defender on Trey, and then people just uh, shading towards him, just taking away the gaps. Uh, you know, uh, they weren't so much guarding uh, the wing players as they were standing between the wing players and Trey and making mm-hmm. sure that those lanes weren't going to be there. And so they really needed somebody who could operate a play off the weak side. Like if Trey needed to get off the ball, um, you know, they needed to get somebody on the other side who could, you know, function with the ball in their hands and and get to the rim if needed. They didn't really have that. And, and you know, they were more successful against Miami in those games and those situations this season when uh the heat tried it again and even in the play-in game it kind of kind of went down that way that they they had that second side playmaker and you know it, it may be that trey needs that um you know it's kind of a split like how do you how much shooting do you need versus how much sort of second side playmaking do you need <laughs> they've given up some shooting over the last couple of years and that felt like it will move away from schlank mm-hmm. but you can kind of see that okay well they they, they did kind of need it like miami's a clever team right we, we've seen them do so many interesting things on offense and defense since you know the bubble to now um and and maybe all not all teams were exploiting the schlank teams that way but miami was um yeah. And it's different, you know, year to year. Like last year, they were really hurt in that playoff series. This year, they were a lot healthy, going a lot healthier going into the postseason. But um, I'm not sure that Schlenk valued the the playmaking uh, as much as maybe some of the other aspects. And then I, you know, in that trade for Dejounte, they were getting a little bit more playmaking to put next to Trey and. Uh, you know, it's an interesting experiment and the jury's still sort of out. Yeah, at the expense of shooting. And you've got a guy that came from that Warriors team where shooting, you know, was it a premium? It probably was just a a cultural difference between the two of them, you know, like uh, on how to build a team and, and the right way to win, yeah. uh, I guess, as a modern basketball team. Although the AJ Griffin pick, I think, added some shooting and potentially some at least offensive athleticism. Was that still a schlink pick? It feels like it. Like it's funny that uh, you know one of the things that I feel like Travis valued over the years, and it's again, it was only a you know five years or whatever. Sure. Um, but I feel like he's. I feel like he even came out and said it, at least with respect to various players, but. He was always sort of looking at uh, I would say looking for value, but like if there was a player who is sort of McDonald's All-American and projected mm-hmm. to be like the third best player in his class coming out of high school, if they had a disappointing season in college, if it was just like one season, like he didn't, yeah. it always seems like sort of like he valued that high school pedigree. Like if he believed in a player coming out of high school, what they did in college wasn't as important to him. And, and I feel like AJ sort of fit that a little bit like that, that season Duke, I know he shot incredibly well from three, but that sort of whole Duke team just sort of maybe disappointed. And, and AJ was sort of higher coming out of high school than he was coming out of college. Yep. Uh, but, but Schlenk sort of typically overlooked that he was uh, more willing to look into the multiple year 
track record in high school than than the one year in college for some of the one and dones. That's a great point too. And and the draft previous to that with Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper, you could point to both of those two, you know, same two things. Those are two five-star recruits that relatively underperformed in their lone college season. So I think that's fair. And that's also been a staple of sort of the Golden State model uh, that we've seen since then too. So whether that, uh, you know, that's something that Bob Myers got from Travis Schlenk or or vice versa, uh, you look at the the Warriors' recent track record with James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga and uh, Moses Moody and, and players like that, that that's been their MO of guys that uh, were, you know, higher, more highly regarded coming out of high school uh, than than they were, you know, a year removed from that. So that's that's a great point and maybe something Wizards fans should should be mindful of uh, if, you know, we're talking about people like a Nick Smith Jr. or somebody that's a former five-star recruit that maybe underperformed. Maybe that's somebody uh, we just saw come in for a workout that might be Travis Schlenk already having, you know, kind of his um, <laughs> fingerprints on, on something like that. Uh, last thing I got for you, Kevin, how was his sort of working relationship with the various coaches that they had uh, in his time in Atlanta? I know there was some stuff about, you know, how how some of those uh, player coach dynamics went uh, with Trey and things like that. But uh, how, any sense for how Schlenk then and his different coaches got along? I don't think so. I mean... We already talked about Bud and mm-hmm. sort of that awkward one year. And so then in that offseason, they picked Lloyd Pierce. You know, he wanted sort of a young, bright guy to sort of build over multiple years, knowing that they were going to have uh, a young team in rebuilding mode for a while. Pierce came from the 76ers who, you know, had gone through the same kind of thing with the process. Mm-hmm. Um, the player development guru by all accounts. Yeah. And so, you know, he was looking for that player development coach. And, and it feels like, you know, with the exception of Reddish, the, the players developed um, in the McMillan year. The, that year that McMillan took over mm-hmm. midseason, McMillan was just hired uh, the, the previous offseason. So he had only been there like a half a year when he came in. I don't know if. You know, if that was have that in mind, a move that kind of yeah. set up for one guy looking over his shoulder at another guy, like I don't, you know, I don't know. Sure, um, but it, well, he, you know, Nate wasn't an assistant who had been with Lloyd the whole time. He came right. in, you know, late in the picture and and was there. I think there was some even, you know, when when Lloyd was let go, there was some hesitancy. I don't think he wanted to take over necessarily at first. Um, and it was weird that that the Hawks had that much success as soon as Nate took over, because then it it kind of forced the Hawks to give him an extension. Like they they'd been too successful not mm-hmm. your to hand go there. with McMillan yeah. some more. And you have to wonder, well, is that a coach that Schlenk really wanted? Like um, just because not that not that Schlenk is bad and not that McMillan is bad, but if you look at sort of Nate's teams versus the kind of teams that Travis would put together it doesn't seem like Nate would run the same kind of offense that Travis would have mm-hmm. the personnel that he would pick run like it just seems like a contrast in styles basketball wise not personality wise sure. and so you had to wonder if if the success sort of forced his hand and he picked sort of the wrong style of coach for what he wanted um no, it's interesting. I, that's the kind of insight I was looking for there. Just like, because you know, again, I'm wondering about the West unsolved parallel yeah, of you know, just sort of X's and O's wise. It, it felt like a little bit of a weird fit. Like, I I could see someone like who they have now being more of a mm-hmm. fit for Travis than than Nate was. Um, but you know, at the same time, like the Nate, the Nate move was was the right move. It's it's funny you look at you know. The whole Schlenk era, and it's basically okay. Well, well, who's who's been there? Like been there, been there, and it's basically just two guys. It's just Trey Young and John Collins, and mm-hmm. like it's you know what did they have to get better at over the course of their career? They had to just sort of get get tougher, like get mm-hmm. grittier, turn into NBA veterans. Yep. And Nate was an important part of that. Sure. Um, 
John Collins is especially weird just because he's gone from like he came out of college as sort of this all offense, no defense guy. Yep. And now all of a sudden he's in this role where as a power forward, he's sort of an all defense, no offense guy. Um, it, it's just been a big turnaround. But, um, you know, that just sort of feels a little bit like Nate's imprint, like Nate did some of that for better or for worse. Like, I feel like Collins would be a better offensive player today if he had somebody uh, like um, Quinn Snyder instead of Nate McMillan in those interim years. Mm -hmm. um, but but they got better on defense and, and Trey got better on defense too and more serious, more studious, more uh, consistent uh, under McMillan. And so, you know, in those aspects, even if Nate didn't feel like an X and O match for Travis, um, you know, I think he developed the personnel in the right kind of way too. Uh, that that's really insightful because I, I think from the outside looking in, you never know how much of that stuff is just natural progression or things they got from him. So I think that's that's a good point too. And, and maybe there's something that Schlenk and these guys can see that Wes Unchell Jr. can provide to the people they're bringing in, or, or maybe that's another coach down the road that provides a certain you know, aspect that they don't currently have um, from from this coaching staff. Kevin, probably the most important question I'm going to ask you, if somebody wants to get smarter about the Hawks or or get to some more coverage in general, where can they find your work? Uh, I write for Hawks.com and uh, I do a podcast called ATL and 29, uh, where we mostly look at Hawks stuff, but occasionally like now in the playoffs, just talk about the NBA at large. That's awesome. And I'll put your uh, Twitter handle and things like that in the episode description. Thank you again for doing this. It's always so much more meaningful than to have somebody that looked at this team as closely as you did provide insight on what we can expect from Schlenk than us just, you know, looking at his resume from afar. So, so thanks for all the great insight here. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody, you know, the drill rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, we were brought to you by betonline.ag and we will catch you next time. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done 